dobrodošli u novu epizodu podcasta Novog magazina Razumeti čelično prijateljstvo. Pre nego što vam najavim našu današnju gošću, pozvao bih vas sve da zapratite naše profile na društvenim mrežama. Dakle, novi magazin možete pronaći na YouTube-u, NM Novi magazin YouTube kanal, možete nas zapratiti na Instagramu, takođe na TikToku i na Facebooku. Danas sam imao zadovoljstvo da razgovaram s Anom Kristinovskom. Ana je jedna sjajna istraživačica koja nam dolazi iz Severne Makedonije. Ona je predsednica i osnivačica organizacije koja se zove Estima i koja u svom fokusu ima istraživanje saradnje Kine sa državama Zapadnog Balkana, ali ono što je pogotovo važno napomenuti da je najveći deo tog istraživanja stavljen u kontekst pristupanja država Zapadnog Balkana Evropskoj uniji. Ovo je još jedan u nizu razgovora koji mi kroz ovu seriju podcasta želimo da započnemo kako bismo vam omogućili da malo bolje razumete šta se sve to dešava u kontekstu saradnje Srbije i Narodne republike Kine. Sada smo malo proširili i malo smo više pričali o regionu. Dakle, gledajte nas na YouTube-u, zapratite nas na društvenim mrežama, možete nas takođe naći i na Spotify-u, i na Deezer-u, i na drugim podcast platformama i naravno ovaj podcast ne bi bio moguć bez podrške ambasade Sjedinih američkih država u Srbiji. Anna, uh, welcome to uh, Novi Magazine podcast. Uh, welcome to the Understanding the Steel Friendship podcast. It's really nice to have you coming uh, uh, coming to us from North Macedonia. And uh, I have to say that uh, uh, it is something that I was wanting to do since we started recording because uh, talking about the region of the Western Balkans and talking about the people that are dealing with the topic of Chinese presence in the Western Balkans, I could not imagine having more competent interlocutor than, than you. So, uh, thank you for being our guest uh, today here in Belgrade. Thank you for the invitation. It's really a pleasure to, to be here and to talk to you as usual. So uh, uh, let's start from, from something that uh, goes a little bit uh, uh, within the lines with what I'm asking all of the, all of the uh, guests. So uh, it's often uh, being described a partnership between Serbia and China uh, as, a, as a steel friendship. But having uh, your, 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 your perspective on that could be really interesting to to hear, if you if you hear or read like that, Sino-Serbian partnership is being described as a steel friendship. What 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 is your opinion on that? What is your perspective on that phrase? Well, um, since I don't hear the phrase for the first time, it's difficult for me to dissociate it from the the Smederevo steel mill. So obviously, it was coined for that purpose. But now I see it more in the geopolitical uh, sense, uh, meaning that it's. Um, uh, a bilateral relationship that can withstand all seasons, all types of weather, uh, that it's uh, endurable, solid and can last. And we see that a lot with the recent geopolitical um, changes with the war in Ukraine and with the global polarization between the East and the West. So we see that China has Serbia's back and Serbia has China's back when it comes to uh, implementing sanctions against China in the sense of aligning with the, with the EU uh, or uh, in uh, other uh, areas where Serbia is getting closer to China and where China is in a way uh, rewarding Serbia for this uh, friendship, for this steel friendship by backing Serbia's position in the UN Security Council on Kosovo, uh, by providing a lot of investments. So basically it's uh, a friendship that can withstand the test of time. 
Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with, with, with that perspective, especially after the uh, Belt and Road Summit uh, in October of the last year, in October 2023, uh, because we had pretty much uh, uh, the iteration of that phrase by Xi Jinping himself, uh, stating that uh, what is tying uh, Serbia and China is ironclad friendship. So a little bit of uh, variation mm -hmm. on, the, on the team, but still uh, fully in line with uh, what we are discussing. But before we go to the regional and geopolitical topics, let's talk a little bit uh, uh, about you, about, about your work. So you have a history with China. You have a history with China that goes a little bit outside of the politics itself. So can you, can you tell us a little bit uh, about what are your connections with China and what are your connections with the topic of the Chinese presence in the Western Balkans region? So my uh, initial background is in the area of Sinology. I studied Chinese language and literature at the university in Skopje. Then I got a scholarship from the Chinese government to go and spend a couple of years in Beijing to uh, perfection, in a way, my language level. And since international relations and diplomacy and global politics has always been an interest of mine, once I uh, went back to, to Skopje, I started to somehow shift more in the direction of international relations. and. I did uh, a master degree in European affairs where I wrote my MA on the EU-China relations. So basically China has been present in a way throughout my whole career, even when I was focusing um, apparently on other stuff like EU integration. And then I started working for the government. So for four years I was working on uh, international relations uh, for the government, covering both the EU portfolio and covering partly China and its relations with, uh, with Macedonia. And uh, since uh, 2017, I moved to civil society where I do uh, research. I wrote my MA, my, sorry, my PhD dissertation on the topic of Chinese development assistance to the Western Balkans. And now what I do in, in the area of civil society is work on this triangle of relations between China, the EU and the Western Balkans. So basically China's presence in the, all the countries in the, in the region and how it impacts the country's prospects of joining the EU in, in near future. Yeah, I would I, I like maybe to go a little bit uh, more in details on what you're focusing on currently. Uh, you are a president of the uh, NGO or think tank and the founder of the think tank called Estima in North Macedonia, but really with the regional and maybe on the European level, if not wider uh, presence. And uh, uh, we know each other for, for, for some time. We have met uh, uh, before discussing this topic and we actually cooperate together on a, on a project that is currently ongoing. So can you tell us a little bit more about your focus, your current focus, the, the work of Estima and maybe a little bit of that our joint project that we are currently engaged in? Sure. Um, Estima is a think tank that deals with the area of uh, policy research and analysis, focusing particularly on foreign policy and on China's presence in the region. And last year we'll, we launched an initiative called Western Balkans China Policy Team. So the objective of this um, initiative is to somehow contribute to better and more informed policies on China in all the countries in the region. Because uh, in my experience until now, it is China that is driving uh, the initiatives and the policies um, in the region. 
And the countries, whether we're talking about Serbia, Montenegro or, or Macedonia, they're simply accepting and taking what is on offer. Mm -hmm. But they do not have a lot of proactive attitude to ask for what they would like to have or to somehow modify or amend some initiatives that may be harmful for them. So basically the idea with this project is for these countries to create policies where they will have more benefits in their relationship with China and reduce the harmful effects, whether we're talking about environmental damage, um, undermining good governance in some Chinese-funded uh, projects. So we're trying basically to, uh, to, to have a better, a more coordinated, more focused and more uh, comprehensive uh, China policies in these countries. So talking about the policy implementation in the region, we can probably agree that it has been more challenging to have these discussions in some countries than others. Uh, and uh, it goes fully in line with something that uh, uh, we can describe as a differentiated regional approach or, 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 or let's say the level of success that the Chinese presence had, had in the region. Do you see some clear cuts or some divisions between the uh, uh, regional level approach or maybe the, the, the countries from the region uh, acceptance level to the Chinese presence? We have to mention that China's offer to the countries in the region was initially the same because it started 10 years ago with the China cooperation platform with the Central and Eastern European countries. So that was the period when China was somehow testing the grounds. So the offer was the same. Funding per infrastructure projects, increased trade, some investments. And then throughout the years, and especially in the past five or six years, we are seeing an obvious um, gap in terms of the Chinese presence in Serbia and the rest of the countries. It is related to a certain extent to the global polarization uh, because uh, three of those countries, namely North Macedonia, Albania and Montenegro, became NATO members. So for them, cooperation with China in some areas like um, high politics or the area of defense and military is out of the question. Also, in, in some uh, critical areas uh, that are uh, considered sensitive, like telecommunications or um, energy, it's also uh, a bit difficult to cooperate with China. And at the same time, we see that Serbia is running with full steam and implementing new projects with China. Bosnia, to a certain extent, is trying to emulate what, what Serbia is doing. But because basically the, the situation is quite different, uh, Bosnia is a very complicated country in terms of uh, political administrative divisions, in terms of uh, stability, political stability, rule of law. So uh, the Chinese are somehow uh, discouraged to, to, to do business there. And that is leaving us with Serbia as their preferred um, destination. And we see that uh, across the board. If we compare Serbia to the rest of the countries, it has 10 times more uh, Chinese direct investments than all the other countries. Basically, uh, in Serbia, 20% of the total FDI is Chinese investments. In countries like uh, Macedonia or Albania, that percentage is 2% or less and is declining. We are seeing, for instance, in Albania, uh, where there were a couple of big Chinese investments, Chinese investors are somehow becoming less welcome. Mm -hmm. There was a concession of the Tirana International Airport that was owned by a Hong Kong company, and they were in a way obliged to sell it to a local Albanian uh, company and just divest and, and move out. And this has been also the case for some smaller investments in the area of chromium mining, etc. 
and we don't see any new investments coming in these countries from China. So, and to, to compare, in Serbia we have greenfield investments, we have these major uh, acquisitions by Chinese companies, which um, obviously contributes to, to a, a big difference in terms of presence and influence. So when we are talking about Chinese influence in the Western Balkans, we have to differentiate that Serbia and the rest of the countries is basically not the same case. Yeah, I, I, I understand the point. And uh, I, I would say that like we are witnessing some of the, let's say, maybe changes uh, even recently. Uh, we have had a statement from uh, Albanian Prime Minister who said that uh, one of the reasons why Albania is not really pursuing any higher level of partnership with China is that China brought nothing to Albania. I mean, recently that the mentioned China CEC uh, platform of cooperation didn't really resulted in specific projects in Albania. Uh, but we cannot neglect the fact that Albania, for example, or, or, or even Macedonia in, in certain cases, although you should benefit from like having a more stable government <laughs> in, the recent, in the recent history, have showed a little bit more dedication, for example, to the European integration process. It is yet to be seen, the verdict is yet to be, you know, uh, uh, given to the Montenegro because they had their ups and serious downs when it comes to the level of the, of the Chinese presence. But definitely with them being the NATO member country uh, uh, in those specific areas that you have mentioned, it is not really to be expected that uh, there will be a, a new, a new uh, momentum in, in developing of cooperation with China. But Serbia then is like a, a poster child is a country that has like proclaimed military neutrality, which means that we will probably never or like not in perceivable future be part of, of, of NATO alliance. But we still have that European membership foreign policy goal as at least proclaimed foreign policy goal. What, what I'm getting to and what I actually want to ask you, after the uh, uh, outburst of the Russian aggression uh, in 2022 in Ukraine, we have seen the new momentum in the European integration. Do you see European integration as another, uh, uh, another, let's say, burden to the development of the relationship with China within the regional countries? Or maybe to reformulate that, whether the countries will be uh, uh, in a broad, bring themselves in a position that they have to choose either the EU membership and the uh, facilitation of the EU integration process or development of cooperation with China? Well, in principle, uh, they should not be uh, first and foremost put in a situation to choose because all of the EU countries have a relationship with China. Some of them have a much more intensive cooperation with China in the area of investments and trade uh, compared to the, to the Western Balkan uh, countries. So China basically is not against the region's uh, EU integration. For a very simple reason, it is in Chinese interest for these countries to gradually become members of the EU. That means that Chinese companies that are already established in these countries will have easier access to the EU single market because these countries are on that path. They are gradually joining the European single market. And it will also mean that at some point when these countries join the European Union, China will have its allies at uh, the table in the European Union, at the Council of Ministers, when foreign policy decisions are being made. So imagine with Serbia having this steel friendship with China, 
it will be even more difficult for the EU to adopt a unanimity to, for instance, to introduce sanctions against China. So basically, it will be in Chinese interest to have these countries in the EU for strategic reasons, geopolitical reasons, economic reasons. Um, what the issue is, is that um, some of the governments in, in these countries now, but also in, in the past, and not only in Serbia, but also in Macedonia uh, and in Montenegro, were inclined to somehow put aside the principles of EU integration uh, in order to please the Chinese um, uh, companies, investors, the Chinese government. So, for instance, when we were taking up loans, we were not considering the EU threshold of 60% of uh, debt ratio. Mm -hmm. So we took uh, huge loans to be able to build highways both in Macedonia and in, in Montenegro. And those decisions were made completely against the EU, EU rules, not only against the EU rules, but also against the national rules without public procurements. There were allegations of corruption, there were allegations of environmental damage, especially in Montenegro. So basically, I, I don't see that China is the only one undermining this country's EU accession process, but China is working together with some of the corrupt political elites to somehow maximize its interests in the region. And that's the main problem. Yeah, I, I think that we had like this discussion before, like there is a clear differentiation between, for example, Russia and, and, and China and their presence in, in the region. Like, Russia is obviously a spoiler actor. Like, for in, it is in the Russian interest to uh, to spoil the processes, literally, to directly or indirectly through their uh, partners and their uh, uh, their uh, outposts here in the region. Uh, harm the process of European integration, even the uh, NATO membership process for some countries in the past. While China is pretty much facilitating the already existing processes. So, if you have like a government in any of the countries. Uh, willing, you know, to disregard the environmental standards or to disregard the uh, rules for competition and market orientation, China will not, you know, defy it. Like China will step in, or the Chinese companies, Chinese government through the preferential loan agreements will step in, and they will not maybe make you to do it, but they will be more than happy to facilitate the process that that that, that you have that you have already started. And that actually brings me. To the, to the conclusion that you might agree with, but I would uh, uh, like to hear your opinion, whether some of the countries, or let's put it like directly, whether Serbia, for example, it's harming its EU perspective, not because it is cooperating with China, but because it's allowing itself to disregard all of those aspects in order to establish the context in which cooperation with China and Chinese companies is, is possible. Uh, yes, I think that it is harming uh, its prospects, uh, to put it very, very bluntly. Uh, but um, then again, uh, it looks like Serbia, given the Kosovo issue, is not counting on joining the EU anytime soon. And that is why it signed the FTA uh, with China. And that is why it is only focused on the short-term gains in the cooperation with China. So uh, investments that will bring uh, on, a, on a timeline of three to five years uh, returns that will contribute to um, exports, that will contribute to new employments, uh, employment opportunities. Uh, and then uh, we see that uh, you know, China is, uh, has a rather opportunistic attitude, so it is cooperating on, on all these um, aspects with, uh, with, with um, uh, Serbia. 
So yes, uh, basically Serbia is uh, undermining its uh, EU integration prospects, but this is uh, uh, in a way a reversible process because it can also align at some point with the EU legislation. It can implement its own national legislation uh, more firmly and more uh, consistently. Uh, so I, I don't see uh, a big problem if there is uh, a clear uh, and demonstrated willingness on the side of the government to uh, move in the EU uh, integration process. Uh, I, I tend to, to, to have a similar position on that. I, I, I am repeating that, but that's because we have had these discussions uh, before. It is not that uh, we are not expecting uh, a good things from the cooperation with China or that we are not seeing good things coming from cooperation with China. It's just what we are putting as a leverage against it. Uh, if we want the new highways and we get the new highways, it's, it's really good thing that we get that. Like, I really love that I can get from uh, Belgrade to the mountain of Zlatibor now in three hours instead of five hours. That's a really good thing. It's just that we have a right to ask why that partner was chosen or what was the price of it, whether it could have been like a, a less expensive project or like a, maybe that was really the best offer. It is those small or not such a small things that are burdening that type of cooperation that are making China watchers asking those type of questions. And all that we want is like those questions being answered. Well, it's, it's perfectly legitimate. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, we live in democratic societies, or at least our political leaders claim that our societies are democratic. So they need to, to prove that. Um, let me just share with you briefly the example of the Macedonian highways that were built with Chinese uh, funds. And I, I also fully agree it's very good to have the highways. Uh, the thing is that the highway was contracted 10 years ago, so in 2013. Now it's 2024 and the highway, 50 kilometer stretch, is not being finished yet. Uh, and it, the price is going up. We sign annexes that increase the price. The last one was for 200 million euros. So the cost of the highways is going up. The highway is nowhere to be built. And then a couple of weeks ago, our prime minister had a statement saying that there were 11 landslides on the built stretch of the highway that now need to be cleared and uh, they should ensure the safety that these landslides will not occur. So that will probably further raise the price. And now we are asking ourselves, why? I mean, why uh, didn't the Chinese side or the Macedonian government pay more attention in the planning of, of, the, of, the, of the highway? Why didn't they make good geological examinations, do a proper project, uh, documentation? Uh, and then also the questions that you raised about the tendering. Why go with that specific Chinese company and not find the best uh, cost-benefit ratio? And all of these questions are very legitimate and they are uh, countering the, the, the myth that Chinese projects are implemented cheaper or more quickly because yes, you start building highway in our case more quickly, but then you spend even more money uh, repairing the mistakes that should have been addressed in the project planning phase before you start uh, building. And that is usually the comparison between the EU funds. We say that EU funds are uh, too bureaucratic, that they come too slowly, that the planning phase uh, takes too long. But then if you consider the planning phase and the implementation phase when it comes to EU-funded projects, 
altogether is shorter than the planning and implementation phase of the Chinese-funded projects. That, at least in our case, that's the case in Montenegro. And I'm sure that in Serbia there are also a couple of examples that have this this flaws. Yeah, uh, Ser Serbia is actually a, a really decent uh, opportunity to examine how the things are being done in a country that is not part of the European Union and the countries that are, let's say, more devoted to the European integration or are already part of the European Union. We have that uh, Belgrade-Budapest railroad, while because everything needed to be, you know, clear and, and, and precise on Hungarian case, because they have the overwatch of the European Commission in the end. In Serbia, we have pretty much you know, just you know, started building it. We will get to the Hungarian border probably in the next year or so. Uh, and it is yet to be seen whether, for example, those trains and railroads will be compatible to the European system or the railways or uh, uh, whether some of the habitats that have been, uh, let's say, on the, on, on, on the map uh, will be endangered because we had a local activist mentioning the long-term effects to some of the natural habitats down the stretch of that, that uh, railway. But on, on, on another note, and this is something that you have been focusing on, what has Serbia also been doing recently, or maybe for the past decade or so, is that we are calmly allowing not only Chinese, but like also Chinese increased presence in strategically important areas. One of the most important areas that we can probably agree on are the natural resources that country has, like how you're exploiting it, who are you selling it to, what are your strategic orientations. And you, with your, one of your uh, co-authors, wrote a, a, a piece on the Chinese presence uh, in the industries that are based on the raw materials in the, in the Western Balkans. And for me, it's one of the best overviews on how China is, you know, presenting itself strategically uh, uh, throughout the, the region. Do you see China being present in those uh, strategically important areas only in Serbia, or is that the case in other countries uh, throughout the region as well? Um, I mentioned earlier that uh, initially China's offer and Chinese approach was the same towards all the countries. And we are seeing what, what you're mentioning, China's interest for raw materials and extractive products uh, throughout the country, uh, throughout the region, sorry. Um, in Serbia, it is uh, most of the time copper that China is exploiting, uh, exporting to China in a way to satiate its own uh, hunger for raw materials, but also exporting to other countries. In the case of Albania, Chinese investors have a monopoly of uh, oil exploitation, but also copper and chromium mines. In the case of North Macedonia, our most exported product is ferroalloys, and in the case of Montenegro, it's bauxite and aluminium uh, ores. So if we see there is a pattern, most of these countries, with the exception of Bosnia, these four countries, uh, exports uh, to China consist of extractive products and raw materials. So basically these are products that do not have a big added value, but they contribute a lot to environmental degradation, especially if they are over-exploited, as is the case in, in, in Serbia's uh, Zijin mining with, with the copper. Um, and we often read that the trade uh, exchange between the Western Balkans and China has been on the rise in the past 10 years. But then we need to ask ourselves, is that in our interest or does that bring along some negative consequences? Because we are exporting products that do not 
bring a lot of uh, value to our economies, to our local communities. And what we are importing is value, uh, goods with very high value added, uh, which makes our trade deficit rise to the sky. Uh, but also leaves our economies in a situation where they cannot uh, develop and where they cannot maximize the cooperation with China. Uh, I, I was listening to a couple of your last sentences and another topic from the Serbian case pops to mind because there are other strategically important areas in Serbia where similar decisions are yet to be made. But let's put that for, uh, for some other time, leave that for some other time and some other discussion. But I would say that point that you have made are very well, uh, can be very well adjusted to the similar, to the similar scenario. And I, I, I think that we are uh, uh, slowly uh, getting to, to the end of our conversation, but there is like another thing that I would like to ask you to put you a little bit on the spot and to ask uh, of you to be a prophet a little bit. Uh, how do you perceive uh, uh, Chinese presence and its development in the region uh, down the road. Do you see uh, countries getting maybe a little bit closer to the European Union and then distancing itself a little bit from the level of cooperation with China? Or do you see maybe uh, it is a business as usual and then depending on the other aspects of geopolitical developments and maybe internal politics throughout the region and uh, in individual countries that are perceiving or not perceiving uh, pursuing or not pursuing uh, cooperation with China? Well, if we, are, uh, if we put Serbia aside, the other three countries that are NATO members in the region are already pretty much aligned with the EU requirements when it comes to their cooperation with China. So they are not uh, cooperating in any strategic areas. I would say that the cooperation is rather symbolic. It is only in the case of Serbia that there is a very burgeoning cooperation and uh, to a certain extent in, in Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, but we have to understand that China is in the region uh, for a long game. So China does not plan on a five to ten year uh, horizon, but plans to stay here. And uh, it's, I don't think that China has any issues in, in waiting for a good opportunity or to uh, have some investment in the region to implement a new project. And what we are also seeing in these countries that have somehow become less welcome in China is a change in China's approach because obviously the governments are pretty much pro-Western, not only pro-EU but also pro-US and they do not want to have a big cooperation with China but China is shifting its approach to work more with the societies, with those parts of the society that are not very dependent on the governments. So we see China's increased efforts to penetrate uh, academia, higher education institutions, uh, also the media environment. It works a lot with the business chambers because the business community will always be for a good relationship with China. We see that throughout the world. Uh, so basically China is not uh, wasting time, is not uh, idling, but is rather adapting. And I think that we are going to see increasingly uh, this uh, adapting uh, approach. For instance, if in some areas Chinese investors are not welcome, they will seek to join forces with Western investors. We already saw that in Montenegro with the Mojura uh, wind park. We see that in North Macedonia, there is one joint venture be between a Chinese and an American company. Same, same in Serbia regarding the windmill, windmill farms yeah, as well. So we, we see that China is finding a way to make itself more welcome uh, in the region. And we should not underestimate China's uh, learning curve. So China has a very big ability 
to learn. It has a lot of resources. It's a huge country with a lot of resources devoted to um, uh, foreign policy. So I think that we are going to see a different approach uh, of China in the Western Balkans, but we are not going to see less of a presence. Uh, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a really good note to finish on, but before we go, uh, I would like to thank you once again for dedicating your time, uh, for uh, finding us here in Belgrade. Uh, and uh, uh, I would, you know, if, if anyone is interested in following more of your work, uh, please find uh, Estima's uh, social media profiles. You will see some neat videos from uh, Western Balkans China policy team. Uh, yours truly among them. And um, I, I think that uh, things that uh, you're focusing on and working on down the road will uh, bring more clarity to the development of uh, Western Balkans-China relationship, especially in the context of the European integration. So thank you for being so devoted and doing the hard work and uh, thank you for uh, being with us here today. Thank you for your kind words and for the invitation. It was truly a pleasure.